evening, ladies and gentlemen, listeners. Uh, welcome to the Tiger Paws Junior podcast series. Um, this is episode four, season one. Um, my guest today is Sam McCardle, a really good guy from Dublin. Uh, so the next two voices you'll hear will be me and Sam shooting the breeze, man. Uh, take it easy. How are you? Good evening, Sam McCardle. Good evening, man. What's the crack? How are you, my friend? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I am. What am I doing? I'm just finishing off the latest video. Uh, so I try and on a Friday, I'll do the bulk of the of the cooking video. So I'll do like all the chopping the veg, prepping it, putting in the oven, all those kind of like action shots. And then I spend the mornings um, before work. I just kind of chop all the editing. So say the bulk of the material might be like an hour and a half long because it's just me doing the video it's just, it's just me recording the video so i it just takes ages to like set up the shots change the light <laughs> and, and I, I edit it down to about 25 minutes usually and then um then i try and edit it all the way down by thursday i usually have in my mind okay what's the sketch or what's the kind of what's the what's the yeah what's the scene i'm going to do um and then i shoot that as well in the mornings or in the evenings after work and then usually by thursday evening i have it pretty much all done <laughs> man um we haven't spoken in what six years personally I, it must be 2013, I think, at that, yeah. yeah. But you're going to have to let me do the introduction. It, it feels like I spoke to you last week. Yeah. <laughs> so, good evening, good morning, good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, um, and children, if you're listening. On the podcast this evening for Tiger Paws Jr. is a really, really good friend of mine, Sam McArdle. Um, he's a Dublin boy. He is an actor. He clearly is a chef. Like you got super into it there. So that's where you are at the moment. Um, and he's just an all round good, good gent. Um, good evening, Samuel. Good evening, Brian. Thanks so much for having me on. This is good. <laughs> My pleasure, man. Um, so the podcast is called People Who Inspire Me. Okay. So, at the moment, I'm feeling like 10, 12 people that I know that I've been following on socials that are really inspiring. And you, like, came to mind straight away. I was like, Sam is in a good place, like, creatively. I'd love to get his opinions on stuff. So, start from the start. Start from wherever you want. Holy moly, okay. Uh, but, but I guess, you know, we start at the very, very start. You and me first met when uh, we were both in college and we both joined the Drama Society Players. Um, mm. I, I'd always kind of been interested in being on stage, but during my teenage years, I actually wanted to be a musician. So I used to be in a band called The Burns. It was like a rock band we were we liked block party the hives the strokes jagged guitars catchy choruses we wanted people to get up and dance and have a good time then 
we I wrote I was the singer and guitarist in that band and I, I wrote the songs and um there came it was weird there kind of came a time where I after about I would say eight months to a year myself and the other guys in the band were like maybe we should get an actual singer I kind of didn't really enjoy <laughs> I didn't really enjoy, and I, yeah probably was doing my singing I didn't actually enjoy um being in the spotlight the main I want to be on stage and be seen um but I, I I didn't really enjoy being the singer and instead of that being something maybe I could work on it and get better I'll let someone else in, in essence take the limelight but I did notice when we we had a guy join the band and he immediately got what can only be described stage fright and just didn't really enjoy didn't want to be the singer didn't really want to show up to practice and I had a bright I have two brothers and one brother used to be in a rock band called the Chakras and they came out around the same time as the Coronas and they would have toured and played with Ian Brown all over the world they were very similar to the Verve that kind of music like swirling cool epic guitar rock and I um I saw how hard they were working at it, how hard they wanted to achieve their goal of releasing music and playing to like thousands and millions of people. And I guess in the band, I I, I was kind of that nerd who wanted to stay in on a Friday, listen to songs, work out the chord structure. How can I write, how can I write the perfect pop song? I would like listen to Smiths over and over again. I mean, I still went out and party. I still went out to the West. Don't get me wrong. I didn't spend all my <laughs> all my um, in inside. And I just kind of, I don't know. We just, we, we saw, we didn't see eye to eye over a couple of things. Just typical teenage ego BS. And uh, You and the Burns or the Chakras versus the Burns. Oh, no. We were called the Burns and the Chakras. Oh, my God. I mean, we were Sunday League football. The Chakras were Champions League. <laughs> and I just, I kind of... Uh, I, I always kind of enjoyed speech and drama because it was just a bit of fun and everybody kind of lightened up. Um, I kind of quit the band. The band kind of dissolved soon after that. Um, Did you do it in like a diva way? Did you like storm out and slam doors? And... No, not really. I mean, I just said I didn't want to. I mean, God, there's three sides to every story. My side, their side, the truth. <laughs> I'm still with the drummer. He's still my best friend. Um Shout out to the drummer, man. Yeah. And I don't know. Yeah, I know. It's just fine. I just set their face, had a chat. So I didn't want to be in the band anymore. I mean, it was fine. Um, and then I, I was always, I, I, I played rugby all the way growing up. And my eldest brother was a brilliant rugby player. We all went to a big rugby school, all boys school. Um, and then I kind of fell into drama. I just kind of started to enjoy it in sixth year. I don't know. I think maybe getting dropped from the rugby team and getting injured in the same couple of months, being the water boy during the senior cup and having the... What school are we talking about here? Uh, I, you... I went to a school called St. Mary's College in the mean streets of Ratmines. Mary's? Oh, Hugh Hogan. Yeah. Absolutely. Unbelievable. Yeah. Great team. We played them Trinity v. Mary's loads. And Shannon. Really? Shannon v. Mary's. Yeah, Mary's a classman. They're one A, aren't they? Um, I actually don't follow them in AIL anymore, really. They're good. They're tough Dublin lads, like bald heads. Um, that's cool. So you're 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 growing up in the mean streets of Rathfarnham. Uh, or Rathmines. Rathmines. I I actually didn't grow up in Rathmines, uh, but I went there to school, and I kind of just. Uh, 
the band is the band had broken up, which my and my middle brother was in a band, and then my eldest brother, who was a great rugby player, I kind of didn't make the rugby team, and I was actually very rudderless at the time, and I was going to a therapist. My mum is a therapist, and I've always quite open with my parents as well and i'm very fortunate i, I would i'd have yeah i'd, I'd be a pretty happy go lucky guy um if i was a, if i was an animal i'd probably be a golden retriever but you you are like one of the happiest nicest people that i know i can say that easily because all through college you just put a smile on people's faces and you don't care about yourself that much you just kind of you're happy to be the butt of the jokes when you say that yeah i think uh, thank you for that um i definitely there are times i definitely wasn't happy um but i've always kind of been conscious of not being a negative influence around people or just being mm. a fun sponge um there was definitely times in college where i felt a bit rudderless but when i i don't know i kind of i started taking the speech and drama class a bit more seriously and the i went to a, i went to a drama class on friday called Anne Kavanagh. In Rathfarnham, and she gave me a Shakespeare piece to perform, and it was Hubert from King John, and it's about a young boy who's asking the father figure in his life not to tear out his eyes, and that's the first time ever really, um, my first real proper experience of like reciting Shakespeare out loud. I there were some parts of school I really enjoyed classes wise. I loved classics. Uh, I loved English, and I, we, I remember we did King Lear for our sixth year uh, for Leaving Cert. And I, I, I found the quotes really easy to, like, I, I was really not, not I'm not academic, and that's not a kind of thing where, oh, I say something bad about myself, and then you jump and you go, oh, no, no, and then I feel better. No, genuinely, I was crack in school. I was very academic, except for those. <laughs> oh, man, you're blowing my mind because I love Shakespeare. I love speech and drama, obviously. Keep going. Sorry. I just, I just kind of fell into, um, I just loved, I found Shakespeare really easy to listen to and really easy to learn. And yeah, obviously there's, there's, you need to concentrate to know what the hell they're saying to each other. But I think with really good Shakespeare, it's a great experience. So I ended up just relaxing whilst going on. The more I went to the drama classes, the more I kind of relaxed into myself um, and then I managed to get fine results in the leaving cert and I came to Trinity College and I got stuck into uh, the drama society and it was brilliant. Like, I, I just loved it. I spent four years there in Trinity, loads of like different plays. I did Playboy the Western World, uh, which was so cool. I got to play Christy Matten. I saw that. That was brilliant, man. Thank you, yeah. Great cast, great directors, great crew, just great crack. Um, and then I went off to a dra- I went off to a drama school in Rada for the summer. They were doing a Shakespeare intensive for two months because I wanted to know mm. to be an actor. What's the training like? You, you got to train your voice. You got to train your body. Um, and it was like it, it was like I just couldn't believe. I loved it from the start, you know, and all all that Disney crap. I felt like I belonged. I felt comfortable. <laughs> like Rada as well. Jesus. One of the other lads did the Rada course. Were you on the same course or you and Brian? Well, I actually seem to follow Brian Martin all around the world. He had done the drama the, the course a year before me and he first told me. Yeah. 
Yeah. He's always been someone, and I'll, show, I'll go back. To, I'll go back to this later on. Is he's always been someone I've really looked up to and listened whenever he talked. Um, he's got a Absolutely. really old head on his shoulders, and yeah, I loved it. And they, you know, they said to me, you know, you should come back and train. You should come to a drama school in London and train. So I spent the next three years doing, and it was so funny. Ash, I came back from doing the Rada summer course, having had a great first year of playing. Chrissy Mahan and getting on well. And then I didn't do any, I did one, I did, I don't think I did one play when I was in second year. I just couldn't get cast in anything apart from I played a dog in the Infernal Machine. You know, the, uh, we did this, we did this, this is a crazy play. Um, with the eyes, with uh, the. I'm conscious as well, like most people on this call will just be like, no idea what the Infernal Machine is. Put up and get. So anyway. And then um, I that was my first taste of oh wow I I really backed myself and I think I could do some cool plays and I just I, I only got cast in one play which I was really lucky to get in casting it was it was great fun and great experience um, and then was that like was that Dan Burry Dan, Danny B Danny yeah. B Friday Friday gotta get yeah. down um, and he did like what were you in Wazik? Uh, we ended up doing Wazik then third year. Yeah, we 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 did a play that again. We did that again. I third year again. I did one cool play, um, Tiger's Bones with May Stone, and that. Oh that yeah, great. that was unreal. That was a great experience. She's a really interesting and a really good, I guess, like facilitator of theatre. I think a director is someone who basically, in essence, should facilitate. Uh, how to get the best out of her actors and uh, she was a very empathetic person and mm. i actually i actually was in a very very bad mood in that rehearsal process i just had a little niggle going on and i wasn't bringing in the best i wasn't being the best of myself and I think, really i think she was and you would have come over to ours quite a lot like scarlet row forever yeah we've been at all drinking away um Okay. But I remember in second year, I did feel a little, I did feel lost again, a bit rudderless. Um, and I don't know, I just, but I kind of, I, I had a weird thing, it would all work out. Um, and I then, so I did a cool play, that play with Maeve, that was brilliant. That was in, must have been November 2008. And then, I, you know, we, we would have done musicals together, you and me, so... Actually, Brian, you cast me in my first ever musical in High School Musical. And that was just, it was for charity, 24 hours. Uh, you know, you, you come in on a Friday morning, you audition, 12 p.m. in the afternoon, you come back, you get cast. You don't know what part you're playing. You don't even know what play it is. I find out from you were doing High School Musical. And we spent all of Friday and then all of Saturday uh, learning the lines, doing the moves. And then on Saturday night, we do the performance. Oh my God! I told like you're taking me back to a beautiful yeah, time. And that was myself, Tom Williams, and Amelia Singer directed High School Musical for Crumlin's Children's yeah. Hospital in a 24-hour whirlwind, 48-hour whirlwind of. We cast you as Chad. You did, yeah. Brian Martin was Zach. Brian Martin was the main guy, yeah, and I was his best buddy in it. You must have been in heaven, man, with Marks. <laughs> Just learning from him. I was, it was brilliant fun. That was a great experience. Um, and then, I guess in third year, I, I basically got cast. I was kind of thinking of 
gosh, I was kind of, I was actually thinking to myself, maybe I, maybe I shouldn't be an actor. I don't know. Like, should I just go and get, should I go and get like a, like a proper nine to five job? And I actually, I got cast in a play called Who's Afraid of Virginia with uh, Stacey Novotny, Dean Rogers, who played Honey and Nick. And then the woman who was cast opposite me was Kate Kennedy, who would go on to become my best mates. And we, I played George, she played Martha, Davy Kelleher and Eileen McGrady uh, co-directed it. And that is definitely in the top five, probably top three experiences and benchmarks of what it means to be an actor, to work on a script, to have your ideas, to take direction, to strike up a working relationship between yourself and the other actors, to tell a story. Um, and it was, it was brilliant. We got to do that in third year. Um, and but those names you just listed out, man, they have gone on to like, like powerhouses in their chosen fields. Like that's an amazing team to get involved in, in college where you're just kind of, you have the ability to play and see what works and see what doesn't and learn. That's lovely, man. I think when you're in college, you're so either self-confident or arrogant or whatever the term you want to use, that you kind of believe you can do whatever you want and you can put mm. on whatever play you want. Yeah, of course. Why not? Let's do a 24-hour version of High School Musical. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. What a ridiculous idea. Let's of Virginia Woolf I think it's really important never to lose that that kind of like we can do whatever we, we can do it if we just get together work on it and get the right people around you you can absolutely you can achieve what, whatever your goal is um, and we did that absolutely man absolutely um, that's amazing and when, when did you go yeah I am good at this I would love this as a career. June 2007. It was when I was doing the uh, RADA course and I understood where I was at. I understood how far I needed to go. I could see the top of the mountain, but I could also see the steps up. And I... It's a long way up there. Yeah, it is. Jesus. But I was, I was like, I can get there. I can do it. Um, and you're the type of person who turns around and looks at the beautiful view as well. And appreciates where they are with the people and then keeps on going. Do you know what Actually, I mean? Actually, I, I would challenge that and that that's something I've had to work on quite a lot because I'm an absolute devil for thinking too much in the past. Maybe I could have changed this, maybe I could have changed that. Or being in the thinking in the future, how do I get there? How do I get there? And I've only learned that how to just like I don't know. I think people have the different ways of being like and people call it different things, being rooted, being present, being aware, and being grateful. I'm no expert at all on the, on this stuff at all, but I, that's just something I've learned how to just take it day by day and focus on what can you do in, in the day to win the day and be better. That's something I've learned um, maybe over the last year, I think. Yeah, because I get that off you from socials, that you're really enjoying your cooking it doesn't matter that you're not ramsey but if you're just like that well you're not ramsey like 
famous yet, but you're enjoying the process. And I love your like outtakes and and the way you present it and you're getting better. And that strikes me as turning around on the way up and just going, yeah, let's give other people oh, the thanks, crack. Man. Yeah, no, I love I love the um, I love the cooking. It kind of came out of nowhere, really. It was, you know, I like to jump to jump ahead to do to do. Yeah, sure. We can come back, man. We can come back. Yeah, I found myself 16 months on social welfare, unemployed, couldn't get an acting job, couldn't. Um, I was probably. What year are we in? What year are we in? 2018. Okay, it's a good 10 year jump. But... And I, I never, I did a bit of cooking here and there, but not much. And I had so much free time. And I was very angry with how my life had turned out. And I spent probably the, you know, I probably spent the first, I say I spent from, you know, January 2018 until May. I'd say I spent all that time adopting a kind of like why me attitude, a blaming myself, blaming other people attitude. Um, I was trying to, I fell out of love with acting, tried to get a job in sales, got loads of final rounds, couldn't get the, couldn't get anything. Um, very annoyed at myself, very angry, tried to go for therapy. That didn't really help. Um, mm. I was working out like, oh my God, I was like a Rocky montage. I was working out every single day, cardio, bike, weight, herpes, pull-ups. <laughs> Like uh, lift, lifts, cleans, presses, everything, eating so if nothing else to do, so might as well use the yeah, excess energy. I just kind of felt like I just I was so I was in I was in you know fine nick on the outside, but inside I was so angry. And uh, I came yeah. across this on on January 2019. I remember I started the year and I got a take I came back from a wedding and I got a takeaway and it was crap. And it tasted like crap, and it was full of crap. And I was like, "Ah, this cost me twenty-two quid. I bet you I can make a better meal for less than twenty-two quid." And I was given a cooking book that Christmas as a present, and it was by you know the Happy Pair Lads. So I, I always really enjoyed their outlook on life. I listened to their podcasts. I thought they were a bit of crack. They didn't take they didn't take themselves too seriously, and um, I found them really endearing and good fun. And uh, it was a recipe for like a chili con carne, a vegan chili con carne. And I cooked it, had the crack, and I just started, I don't know what, maybe it was a mixture of boredom and vanity, but I just, I kind of recorded the cooking of it. Uh, but I didn't show my face because I'd lost all my self-confidence. And I didn't want to show my face. Um, and I just put, posted, posted up one video of it. And I got one or two people being like, oh, hey, man, that was funny. Hilarious. And I actually, I was actually in a kind of quarantine at the time that I, I wasn't really seeing anyone except for my, my, oh, by the way, I'd moved back in with my family at 30 years of age, my mum and dad, unemployed, um, kind of trying. Bit of a hibernation. You were just hibernating from, yeah. from I was the just world. zoned out. I was just angry and I was just, you know, a man with a fork in a world full of soup. I just couldn't get things going. And um, I put up another cooking video that kind of made me feel good. I was kind of it was my way of chatting with people because people would ping me and go, oh, "That's gas, that weird cooking video you put up." And then I put up another one next week and I did a bit of a running commentary and it was kind of like, "Oh, I don't know what I'm doing here." And then I got two or three more likes. 
And then in the next one, I was like, I'll just show my face. And I'll kind of, I'll kind of talk through what I'm trying to do. And, uh, and that got a little bit more attention and blah, 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 and so forth. And I started kind of enjoying preparing the cooking videos, running through them. And, um, you know, I mean, not to sound like a dickhead, but I got my self-confidence back and I started speaking to the camera again. And that's something I'd kind of lost to myself. And that, so from January 2019, I was still like unemployed. But in May 2019, I ended up getting a job, which uh, the routine, the steady paycheck, the career opportunities, the people. Just getting out of the house must have helped and just going doing something that people yeah. appreciate for a bit yeah, of bank. That's lovely. Uh, it was amazing people. Yeah. Um, amazing. Yeah, changed my life. I remember really? 100% gave me, gave me back my old confidence. I remember before the, um, on my first day, I just thought to myself, gosh, I'll never get back the, the five, the, uh, I, I started in June, but I'll never get back the, the almost six months. I just had there of anger and being down on myself and being stressed. If I ever get that time back again, I'll, um, I, I think I, I'll know how to use it in a more productive manner. And I had ideas for this play that I was trying to write. Um, when I was in London, I spent a bit of time as a male nanny for rich single mums in West London. Uh, no yeah, so way. I, Unreal. What, what uh, part of London? Like, we go Notting Hill or we go like... Notting, no, it was West London. So it was like Notting Hill, Kensington, Sloan Square, oh. um, they would eat you up, man. They would love it. This ripped six foot two, brown eyed, coming in minding their kids. But I can't. Oh, you must have loved it. To be honest, you? it was really funny. I ne- and this is actually isn't a line. I wasn't really. I had no experience minding children before, and um, I kind of took this job and I was like, yeah, steady. You know, it's a bit of cash, flexible. Um, and it was kind of, I never really read, I think one of the mums said to me once, she was like, can you actually teach my son how to shave because he's at that age now and he won't listen to me. And actually he's actually kind of met a girl and he's 12. Um, how would you, how would you tell him how to talk to girls? And I'm, I'm absolutely no way, no expert. Jesus. No, no way an example, um, of what to do. But it kind of made me think very differently about, like, I guess, like responsibility and how you are like people, people don't, people don't, you know, that Maya Angelou quote, people don't care about what you say, what you do, but it's how you make them feel as well. And it kind of made me kind of realize, kind of made me think that, like, I have to make sure it's important that you're positive presence around people. I don't mean that in a term, I don't mean that in a form of fake happiness. I don't mean point, you know, paint a weird smile on your face. I just mean, I think it's important to, uh, you know, leave your, you know, we, we call it in drama school, leave your crap at the door. So you got to walk in and you got to be ready to work. And I think in life, you kind of just got to, you just kind of got to get on with it in a way. And uh, that's, that's why I really wanted you on the podcast because I've always got that from you. And it's in no way fake, it's in no way pretending, but you've always really, wanted to help people or or just make them smile for 
as I say, maybe at your own expense, maybe at a stupid joke, but even knowing you three years of college life, I've always found you like a, a radiated like energy or something. I think a lot of people feel like that about you. Well, thanks, man. Yeah, I like. Yeah, I like to think so. I like to think I give. I'm like. Sorry, it's a funny. It's a, it's a thin line between being someone. Hey, that guy or that lady. I'd love to hang out with them. They're cool. And there's a thin line between that and being a fucking idiot. I, mm-hmm. Yeah, I flirt that line too. I look back and think, you know, I think there's, there's a certain amount of, you know, you can never, you should never give too much of yourself to other people. And I actually, I remember one time, I've got a friend and they're great and they're a really good, nice person and I enjoy hanging out with them. But like, I'm not a shrink. Mm. And when I finish talking with them, I'm exhausted because I've just had to counsel them and I've just, they haven't asked me anything about me. We've had no crack. We've had no fun. We haven't laughed and it's draining for me. And I remember someone once saying to me, you know, you should, you should, you should be a bit more selfish with your time and you should not try and run. Like maybe, maybe I was, maybe that, I think every, anyone who goes, Oh, I'm not insecure. Like that's not my thing. It's not that I'm insecure. I mean, they're the worst because everyone has an insecurity of some kind. And I think definitely when I was younger, I had much more of a, oh, I want to be liked and I want to be the nice fun guy. Um, and not that I, not that I'm not like that anymore, but there has time, you know, it's, it's a lot of energy to waste trying to be someone as opposed to just being yourself and being much more calm and relaxed. And that's something that comes with time and with age. And I absolutely, absolutely. take back anything I've yeah. said or did, said or done. Um, but, you know, I don't, I, I would be quite sensitive in some way. Though. I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't want to be, I wouldn't want to be seen as being, I mean, no one wants to be seen to be the fool. But um, it's just a thing. It's just, you need to manage that yourself. And, you know, I, like, I always handle myself with like self-respect, but definitely the older I've gotten, the less I, the less I play, the less I act, uh, act, and the less I talk. Really, I much prefer listening to people now than talking. When you're when you're talking mm-hmm. to someone at a party, and they just won't shut up, and you're like, I can't breathe. Just give me a second. Yeah, I get you, man. So take us to like. For anyone who's listening to this, Sam is an excellent actor. Like four years drama in players. What you studied like economics or yeah. what did uh, you do? Biz, I did a, biz, a business degree in Trinity because I well I, I just wanted to have a backup plan in case things didn't go according to plan and I kind of feel- And then but then you went to like one of the top four Dramas, you got accepted to one of the four drama schools in England. Yeah. Guildhall. I spent three or years Latin. in Guildhall, um, and it was it was like Hogwarts with lightsabers. It was the best and hardest and most intense and up and down three years of my life. Um, you have people who aren't your family telling you what's inherently wrong with your personality and what you need to do to fix it. It was a completely, re, a completely sharpened and redefined how I approach a piece of text, how I work with a group of actors, and 
how it was it was amazing it was invaluable to me and i'm really uh i'm really worried about the future of drama schools especially in somewhere like london where you know it's so hard like it's i was you're you know my like i was i was lucky i got a scholarship there but i was still counting my pennies at every and i saved up for the three for three years before i went but you're still like you know people people have said it before i'm definitely not the first but there is you know like how many people i know there's a there's a great organization called open door run by david mummini um, and they help fund people to attend auditions for drama schools who might not be able to afford it because drama school auditions can be i mean i think it was like 50 pounds when i was auditioning could be more now and um like where's you know where's the next michaela cole going to come from where's the next gary oldman um the son where's the next denise goff you know, and there's a and there's a place for all kind of actors, be it the Freddie Foxes, the Lily James. Um, I'm not saying that, but I think you need to you need to have a seat at the table for everyone from from the different kinds of society because otherwise it just gets streamlined. Um, what you're watching, it's just elitist. Yeah, it's like oh, they look for a company of actors to release into season four after you start in season one training. Like, oh, I, I don't know how I feel about that either, man. Um, you liked Guildhall? Absolutely. It was, yeah, absolutely amazing. Did you? Uh, oh, I, I just, anyone who comes out of Guildhall or Bristol or Radolanda, like, oh, you know that they've been trained like a doctor is trained to be a doctor. Like, you, I know you're a great actor because you trained in Guildhall. Yeah, thank you. I, I uh, like genuinely like the, the teachers you had there, directors you worked with. I mean, Jesus, Joe McInnes, Patsy Rodenberg, Wayne Jones, Martin O'Connor, Christian Burgess, loads of heads. I'm definitely getting people, but it was amazing, absolutely amazing. Um, and I was lucky, yeah, I, I left Guildhall in third year, did some work. Um, we on for Hobby City, so I played an Irish painter called Alex, whose girlfriend wasn't feeling well. She gets admitted to hospital. I want to propose to her. Turns out she's pregnant. We're going to have a baby. Then actually, turns out it's a blood clot, and she dies. Uh, oh, yeah, I know. Rough on her, man. She thought it was a baby, and it was. A uh, so I worked with a great actress called Rolling Stone who I believe is the first um, the first actor with, uh, how, how to, the correct phrase, who would have hearing difficulties, who was admitted to RADA. And to watch her all okay. week when I was working with her, just her approach. She's brilliant. A very, very special woman. Um, Jim Larkin was the director who, who, um, who just gave my first gig at a drama school. And there's actually there's loads of cool people on the set. But remember, there's a lovely lad called Rob Osler, who uh, was on Hobby City. He also, for any pub trivia lads out there, is the first character to be killed in Game of Thrones. He is in the first five five minutes of Game of Thrones. He's the first guy who gets killed by the White Walker. And, and, With the direwolves, gets killed by the Whites. W I G H. I don't know. They find the wolves in the first couple of scenes, don't they? All the dogs that they give to the different Starks. I don't know. 
I'm sure we are not the oh, right no, people. Oh, no, my proves okay. It's okay. I'm watching. Is it? Don't, what don't, happens? Don't, don't what happens in the first? I'm, I'm, just, I'm bluffing. No, I... <laughs> I won't, man. I won't. Uh, so you're in Holby as a job and actor yeah. in London. And, oh, unfortunately, the blood clot comes instead of the baby. So do you head off then, or do you have a I couple was, of I was more episodes? Episode. Um, and that was my first. Then I got to go on tour with yeah. a theatre company called Cheek by Jowl. Um, and we did Tis Pity She's a Whore uh, yeah. oh, beautiful Roddy Doyle? no yeah. you're joking me aren't you? Roddy Who Doyle no, he didn't write that Tis a Pity She's a Whore who yeah, wrote is Jack that? Being, it's Jack Vian it's Jack Vian like tragedy <laughs> it wasn't Roddy Doyle it wasn't Roddy Doyle Jack man maybe maybe he's got a Tis a Pity She's a Whore so I did that. I don't know. My uh, bad. That was great. We were Declan Donlan, Nick Ormerod. Uh, and my best friend from drama school was Max Severin. He was playing Saranzo. I was playing Grimaldi. And yeah, I mean, like we just made some, we made great mates. There was great actors in that in that company. Um, 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 Especially if you're touring with your drama company, buddy. That must oh, be because yeah, you're close brothers. after three years. Um, he it was brilliant, brilliant fun. You learn, and I love work with Declan. He was class. He's the kind of director. You might be doing the same play for mm. nine months, but every week he'll come in and do something different. And he's always challenging you. He's always prodding you. And I think I learned that in, in this, definitely in drama school to, I guess, re, not reinvent it, but just see for the first time the scene and what's going on. Um, and find, you know, always find, discovered for the first time in the space. And he was brilliant. I loved it. Came out, came out of that, finished it, did a movie, Lady in the Van, uh, Sir Nicholas Heidner, um, cast me. Yeah. Ma so cast Maggie Smith, like. Stop. Did you? You literally worked in Maggie Smith. Did you not do any research on me before you had me on this? I researched you and I cast you as Chad yeah. in High School Musical. Dame Maggie Smith. How how have you doubted yourself? That's unbelievable. So I play Who'd you play in that? that? She accidentally kills at the start of the film and she goes on the run for the entire film because she thinks she's wanted for murder. And then becomes friends with Alan Bennett, the writer. It happened in real life. And the play, it was originally a play at the National. And at the end of the movie, she passes away from old age. And I take her up, I take her up to heaven. Oh, I'm so sorry, man. I should have done research. You're Maggie Smith carrying up to heaven, fool. Oh, my God. Fair play. She's what was, what was yes, she like? She was... It was just, it was, yeah, I mean, she's like, gosh, she's done so much. So many people know her. I think Professor McGonagall is what a lot of people would know her for, but she's been around for years. And... Downton, Downton, like, she's been smashing. What year was it? Like, 2015? It, it came out. 2000... Shot in 2015, and it came out just under a year later, just before Christmas. So she would have been just starting no, Downton. she went two, three years to Downton at that stage. Yeah, but oh, that's unbelievable, man. Congrats.
what a do you have her number in her phone in your phone book? <laughs> Sorry, that's unbelievable. Um ah. Oh. Right, Keep going. going. Sorry, I interrupted. Went back on tour with uh, Cheap by Joan again. So that must have been tw- maybe just under a year later. We started rehearsing for a win- uh, Winter's Tale, and um, we were on tour on and off for about two years. Um, I played the young clown, um, and yeah, man. To be honest, it was interesting. It was my first ever comedy role. And uh, I remember Declan, I was telling a story, we were all going for drinks on Friday. And I I had been going up for a lot of like soldiers, warriors, thug number four, Irish terrorist, um, spirit carrier number 17 with an Irish accent. But I I don't really go for that (laughs) comedy roles. And I told a story, I think about, it must have been about like, just about a night out or whatever. Uh, I finished it, told the punchline, Everybody laughed, you know, and I and I was like, okay, great, everyone laughed, way. And Declan didn't laugh at all. And he turned to me and he said, the thing about you, Sam, is you look like all the other guys, the tall, dark-haired guys who are going off for these movies, but they don't crack jokes the way you do. You really need to do more comedy. Um, no, he meant it as a compliment. Oh, harsh. Yeah. Oh, really? Oh, you really need to get involved in more you comedy. More comedy. That's your thing? So I, yeah, like okay. I, I really took that to heart, and I think this I'm I'm after writing a one man show, The Manny, uh, and it's it's a dark comedy, um, but inherently it's about a you know a young man who works as a male nanny for rich single mums in West London, um, absolutely, yeah, right, <laughs> what you know, <laughs> that's great. When you go, can we come see it? Are back open? You can come see it. Ah, oh, I would like to be on the guest list, please and thank basically, you. Basically, like I was kind of writing it, had some ideas, and lockdown hit again last March. And I just thought to myself, um, okay, what can I control? I can control what I do every day, what I watch on the news. Um, and what I love about the cooking pretty much is... So I'll film, I'll film it for like two, three hours, all the footage, and then I'll spend like two hours a day before or afterwards um, cutting up the footage, prepping, prepping the videos. And that's two hours where I'm not stressed about life or thinking about where I should be or comparing myself to other people. And You're just working. You're just absolutely, doing yeah. something positive absolutely. for yourself. And with the cooking videos, it was a way of kind of like staying in touch with people I hadn't seen because, you know, there might be one person who might just send me a DM I haven't talked to in about a year or two and then I'll just pick up the phone to them and we'll connect, re- reconnect. It's a great great way to catch up with my buddies who I may have haven't properly talked to in, in a couple of years. And what I love about the cooking is like you have to – so if you're making – like, so I love making a chili con carne and uh, you got to start off with the, with the ingredients step mm. by step. So you got to start off with the onions. You got to heat up the pan, add the salt, add the onions, caramelize it. Then you add the peppers. Then you add the black beans and blah, blah, blah. And you have to make sure the right ingredients. And basically what you have to do is you have to concentrate on the task at hand. You have to make sure that's accurate. And then when you move on to the next stage of the meal, if you've messed up the previous part, that's all right. Just cancel and continue. But if you allow 
what if you allow the previous steps and stakes to interfere with the present steps, you'll destroy the whole meal. And don't worry about the end product. Just worry about what's right in front of you, what you can do right now. And that's as natural as it sounds. The way I look at cooking is the way I kind of approach it life. Just what can I focus on right now? Doesn't matter what happened before. Um, and if you make a mistake, go easy on yourself. Learn from it. Try not to do it again. But make sure that you're like, you know, I, I, I've, there's times I've done the cooking videos and I'll start, I'll have a mini melt. Like, oh no, I made a mistake. Ugh. But then you take a deep breath and you go, it's fine. It's absolutely fine. And you know what, man? Like, your outtakes are super funny. I enjoy your outtakes nearly as much as the end product. Like, I love the blooper reel. Your your mistakes in life sometimes make you and you learn from them, but they're also absolutely hilarious because you approach it with that mentality. Like, that positive outlook on life, that's so inspiring kind of because you've made a good thing about out of your mistakes i mean like those i'm not egging up someone once sent me a meme being like are you still saying those bloody blooper reels like those blooper reels are genuine i'm having many like oh my god i'm making making (laughs) like a cream cheesecake and i never added the bloody cream or whatever do you know what i mean Um, the anxiety that goes through when i make the blooper reels but I, I remember I posted up one or two and someone just goes, that's funny, you should, you should do that more. And I think as well, like, I don't I remember hearing the lads who created Instagram and they were asked, how did you how did you know that you were onto something? How did you know that this is going to take off? And they said, we were just present to situations when we were being lucky. And I think a lot of the times I used to see, I used to see people in drama school and they would be, everyone comes to drama school and they can act and they just have, max three things need to work on you know uh be more be more pay more attention be more respectful to your other guys and girls um learn your lines whatever be easier on yourself or be harder on yourself whatever the hell it is and i would hear sometimes people being told those notes and sometimes it went in and sometimes it went over their head and i would look at them and I'd just be like you just had the opportunity given to you to improve and you weren't present to receive it and that news and that feedback would have improved you as an actor and probably as a person as well. So when Declan said to me, you should focus on comedy, when my buddies were like, you should do, make the videos more, get more blooper reels in. And it's a couple of people whose counsel I would listen to. Um, you know, you have to be, you have to know whose counsel mm. to listen to and, and what to improve on. And everyone else, just, you just smile and say, thank you so much. Um, you, just need, you need to be present to the opportunities that will increase your situation yeah and oh, like this podcast is about inspiring people that I kind of know and I think sometimes you're too close to your flaws to see them sometimes and you know what you think and you might have a different opinion than they do but that's what they see. And maybe you were seeing the flaws and were begging them to understand, but they were too close or they knew better or something. Or Everyone has an excuse for their flaws, whereas you listen to the advice and take it and don't think you're perfect. That's really I mean, nice. Every video, every video I do, there's always there's at least 20 minutes 
is the shortest time where I've just been like, oh my God, what am I doing? This is a terrible then you just take a deep breath and you go, yeah. no, it isn't. You just back yourself and go, no, it is. Like I've definitely had periods of very, very negative self-talk, but I'm lucky that I, I think I, I know what the triggers are now. So I can, I can kind of just observe them, not listen to them, compartmentalize them and move on. I remember hearing the ex, uh, I think he's back now. The, the Irish rugby manager is a gentleman called Mick Carney. I heard him speak on a podcast with Enda McNulty. He's got an amazing book out called Commit. Uh, Mick Carney would say mm. when he sees a problem, he would accept, compartmentalize, or reject. That's what you do, those three. That's the three solutions to a problem. And I thought that was genius. Uh, I have a, I have a couple of post-it notes littered around my room, and that that's one of them. That's in my journal as well. Accept, compartmentalize, reject. And you just kind of got you got like if you're having a negative self-talk or if you're having a moment of doubt, you kind of just have to like let it wash over you, like 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 a thunderstorm, and then realize it's going to stop raining. It's fine. Um, but also just to observe the triggers and get away from them. Like if if I was a bitter man who never made it as a footballer, um, why am I going on Wayne Rooney's Instagram and looking through it at four o'clock in the morning? Like my Instagram is about my cooking and my one man show that's really it. I don't even really post funny memes that much anymore. Um, I don't like, I, I've seen people almost try and monetize mental health um, or find, or just kind of latch onto it. That's not my thing. Um, I think it's an incredibly delicate and sensitive issue that needs to be approached with a lot of care and choice words. Um, there's people out there, I think, yeah, who post stuff kind of just to get attention the only i mean the only thing i did to, to, that i mean a friend of two friends of mine emo shade elizabeth harris have started up a magazine called toasty which is about how people have used this year to get their passion projects up and running and they asked they asked me to speak uh Absolutely, yeah. elizabeth and she asked me about the cooking and the show i'm writing and just guess the last few years i've had and I would have said that, yeah, the last few years I found it hard. I was in, I was unemployed. I was very down on myself. Um, and, you know, I don't need to spell it out. You don't need to be a, ma be a master's in psych, have a master's psychology to spell out that I was, yeah, I probably was depressed for about nine months. But I was, that's not what my page mm. is offering. I mean, yeah, why did you post the article then? I did it because I was asked to and I, I enjoyed speaking about it and hell, like I, I want to give a shout out to the happy pair of lads who helped me and get back on track. And with, I find for me, routine really helps um, keep my day going well and it keeps my mind on track essentially really, yeah. Man, that's genuinely why I find you inspiring. Because you're not afraid to, if someone asks you, you're going to say the answer. But you're also super proud of your work as well. And it's great to see you happy cooking, helping people. Like <laughs> the earrings in, the long hair is flowing. I love it, man. I'm just like addicted to 
with your energy. And that's um, inspiring. That's why the name of the podcast is like, I don't know, TPJ is inspired by Sam McArdle in episode four or three. Um, uh, you give me a lot to think about, but well, like, and this is from a guy who's like worked with Maggie Smith, trained in Guildhall. Like you're a really great actor, like, and even people like you can kind of talk about, I don't know, being unemployed for like nine months, being down. That's real. Do you know what I mean? It's great, man. Keep going. Keep going. I can ask you about anything. What? Oh, I'm on this vegan diet at the moment. And I love it. I feel great. And all your stuff is kind of, is it plant-based? I definitely cut out red meat for about a year. And I was feeling great. And then I went on a bit of a, I went on a cut. Um, I was really interested in just like body fat, how to lose it. I want to understand how, what food to eat, if I want to put on weight, if I want to lose weight. So I heard of this amazing woman called Debbie Crothers. Um, I believe that's her still her Instagram handle is Debbie Crothers. But if you just type in the name Debbie, D-E-B-B-I-E, Crothers, C-R-O-T-H-E-R-S. And she basically helped me understand nutrition, calories in, calories out. She has been instrumental in, I guess, um, like helping me bulk up. So, but I, and I did a cut for about two months, lost a rake load of, yeah, I lost body fat. The abs were showing and I ain't. But you didn't need to, man. You were like ripped in ice cream. I think when, you're, when, you're, like, when, you, when you weigh nothing, I think it's easy for the, for the bones to stick through. But thank you. Yeah, <laughs> I and just remember being I, jealous I actually, of your six pack. I actually lost. I actually fainted one night um, having dinner, um, and I think the plant-based diet definitely works for a lot of people. But for me, I actually missed out on the iron. I started taking iron tablets; wasn't enough. Started reintroducing red meat back into my diet, um, and I try and just kind of watch what I eat. I mean, I'm, I'm, I eat a lot of eggs. I try and eat about. I mean. I'm a bit of a nerd, so we can we can go into the nerdy nutrition stuff if you want. Uh... <laughs> I love I like I love my red meat. I love my chicken, my eggs, and I just said, do you know what? I went on, yeah, I went on veguary last year just to see what it was like, and I felt great after. And then long lockdown happened, and this year is like January, February. See what's up. Ordered a bit of clean cut meals or whatever, and I really I dig how I'm feeling at the moment. Kind of buzzing. Might not necessarily work for someone else. I think if I had a really low calorie diet, if I didn't have to eat that mm. much, and if I only had to hit a certain amount of protein, I think you can hit your protein goals definitely on like a vegan diet. But for me, I actually need the iron, and I need like I've tried it. And I just I think in life, being with eating food, be it with relationships and uh, yells at your gut and um, my gut was after a year yeah yeah or your heart or your chakras like your brother's band oh what t- tell me about the cheeky um the cheeky strawberry yeah. 
minxy thing you made the other day was it a jam was it like really easy thing um, I try like my 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 me basically I'm someone who who like I didn't really cook that much growing up and I didn't like I used to play a lot of rugby and I was my nickname in school was Gangles so I was so that's why I'm called the Gangly Chef now because back I couldn't put on weight oh okay. if you don't put on weight you're going to get dropped in six year you won't make it and I didn't understand I just kept eating pasta which is, yeah, there's protein and pasta, but it's mostly carbs. So I wasn't really, I put on a bit of weight, but I wasn't putting on the muscle. I wasn't eating the right protein. And I was like, God, I wish I understood how to eat food. And I wish I understood what property to eat. And through my own life experiences, and a lot of it is down to Debbie Crothers, um, I managed to understand, I'm starting to understand more about um, what goes, you know, how much calories are in what food, how much carbs. So with the food, I try and make it really as simple and as fun as possible. I mean, who's going to make a better carbonara? Me or Gordon Ramsay? Obviously Gordon Ramsay. But but I... I, I, don't, <laughs> I, was, like, I I'm not, I like, know. The videos are just, for me, it's a fun thing to do. It's a way, I guess, of expressing myself. Creativity. I put in sketches of movies when I can. It's a way of connecting with people. Um, and it's also educating myself. And I have to spend the week. I put in a lot. I'm, I don't mean this in a I'm great way, but I would spend all week, a certain amount of hours working on the editing the videos. What's the next sketch? How to write it? How to shoot it? And that's hours where I'm spent on something productive that's making me feel good. That's an output that hopefully at least one person will go, that's gas, a bit of fun. I am doing it for me. I'm not doing it for anyone else. And that's the key to creating any kind of content. You have to enjoy doing it. And if you're enjoying doing it, that's when other people may start to enjoy it. But if you start if you start to pander to other people or give out what other people want, that's when you, you trip up and fall over yourself. And that's when you're not authentic. And if you're not authentic, people won't listen to you. Yeah, and I get that from you, man. That yeah. you can see it in a person's face if they enjoy it. Like, I love making this podcast because I get to listen to people like you and all my other guests. And that makes me slightly anxious because I'm like, oh, what if people don't like it? Or what if I'm too honest here? Or what if, oh, but if, if I stay true to it and release something that I'm proud of, then I'm like, it's kind of worth it. It doesn't matter what the reaction is. And I get that from your videos too, that you're like unashamed, well, unashamedly putting yourself out there in a helpful manner that you enjoy. I love it. I think it's really great. Tearing these videos to shreds going, who is your man? Like I have friends who are chefs and I know they must be looking at some of the videos being like, you're cooking that all wrong. But I think that's in your head, though, as well, that I don't think many head chefs would do that because they'd be like, this is a boy who's interested in cooking, who's trying to bring our our speciality in the world. I think they clap you. It's your own head that kind of says, oh, everyone's bad and bad and might be. I was going to say, um, I, I don't know. I don't know. What do you think? Oh, I've lost train of thought now. What I was going to say was, like, yeah, I'm sure people are ripping the to shreds. I'm sure people are ripping the shreds anyway. Of course, everyone gets slagged. That's life. Tough luck. But, you know, if you wouldn't seek their, if you wouldn't seek their advice, mm -hmm. that means their opinion probably isn't that valid. 
And if they're probably not going to be there at your funeral, then who cares? Like, like people, every, people flag everyone. Like, that's just life. And you, you kind of just have to... I remember there's a great Marco Pierre White. Uh, he He's invited on a speaker to, I think it's Oxford, the university. And he talks about his journey and how he came. He's one of my favorite chefs. And great quote about how you have to pick yourself back up when mm. you fall down. And that's really important. And I think people can mistake, um, oh, I'm having a hard day. I'm going to go have a chat with Brian. And Brian's going to tell me I'm great. Brian's going to buy me coffee and verbally rub my belly and tell me all nice things about myself. And he'll give my ego the tools uh, it needs to get through the day. And that's great. But once Brian leaves me, I haven't learned how to be self-sufficient. And I'll seek that approval from other people and probably in other ways. Whereas you need to, in life, and it's only through going through hard times, I think you, you learn these skills to avoid triggers or to reaffirm what you believe is good about yourself. And that's why those, that's what, that's why I think those kind of statements that people say, you know, they say that like when you wake up, you should like do breathing exercises and say like, yeah, I'm a good person and I'm a patient person and et cetera. It's like whatever people use to get to the day completely is theirs. And I think you have to learn to give yourself those tools that will make you feel better about yourself. And that, that approval can't come from someone else because it's exactly exactly and anyone who's listening to this i think can get from you that that's a great bit of advice to take especially someone like who's into cooking and they're like 14 they're like oh sam mccardle is doing that maybe i can do that or an actor who loses a job because of a mistake or because a pandemic do you know what i mean they just find something you do and do it online and be I'm happy. Like I'm, Make I'm yourself, like give I'm yourself a purpose. If you know I've, I've been fortunate. I've never lost an acting job. Or, but I know plenty of people who are, you know, they were meant to be going off and doing a huge big TV show or a huge big movie. And now this, were, this, this like hell, hell hole of the year has just thrown, thrown everything up. Oh, I know, man. I know. Um, Oh, who knows? Who knows what the future has in store? Like, shag, marry, or kill? Cooking, acting, or in music? In what sense? In terms of, like, my... my you have my to shag habits. one, you have to marry one, you have to kill one. Yeah, no, you just pick, pick one uh, to shag, one acting, to marry, one to kill. Uh, Where are you at the moment, like? leave uh, music and the other one with cooking I would say wow you're leaving you're leaving well, the, I, the verb I, the chakras the burns music in a band I, I last <sighs> performed on stage singing a song and playing guitar must have been Christmas 2012 and there's there there. I'm thinking about putting in a bit where I sing and play guitar in the Manny that's in the draft so far, but <laughs> I thought you were going to say Obama Mia. Do you remember we were um, soldiers? Great musical. Singing great soldiers track. opposite each other. Oh. I know, I know. Yeah, that was my profile picture on Facebook for ages. Oh my god. 
thanks a million for coming on, but um, anything I would just say if you want to happy to the one man show, um, it's going to be coming out in 2021. So my Instagram is smcardle5. I'm also posting weekly cooking videos if you fancy taking them out. So it's a mixture of, yeah, I mean, there's vegetarian meals, there's plant-based meals, there's meals with chicken, red meat, um, how to make your own jam. And so there's one up every week. And yeah, if you have any ideas about what I could cook or you ever want to reach out, like, yeah, just send me a DM. Man, absolutely Sam Ricardo, Thank you so much for this. You have been a gentleman. Thanks for coming on, bud. Um, bye. And that was Sam McCardle, ladies and gentlemen. A really good friend of mine and a, a very inspiring person. I hope you'll agree. Um, thanks a million for coming on, Sam. I really appreciate it and best of luck in the future with all your future endeavors take it easy lads hope you're enjoying it